All right, I'm on. I'm wondering if Pastor had some spiked eggnog this morning. <laughs> hey, good morning. Hey, it's glad to be with all of you. Uh, God is good all the time. Amen. And uh, hey, I hope all of you had a blessed uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, I sure appreciate being here with you. Uh, those of you that joined us today, those of you joining us online, I certainly appreciate you buying us in your home, your car, wherever you're listening. And we're continuing the gift series. And I know my wife, Wendy, would, uh, would have loved to have been with us uh, today. Uh, she's not feeling uh, the best. And my wife is, uh, for those of you who don't know, she's uh, going, uh, she's battling cancer and she's been a warrior. She's been an inspiration to me. And we've been having a conversation about, you know, when you're, you're going through chemotherapy, there's some physical changes in your body and your looks. And I think she's as beautiful as ever. And, uh, <laughs> I asked her, you know, hey, am I the only one you've ever dated? And she's, her answer was, yes, you are. Uh, all the other ones were nine and tens. And uh, I thought, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. I'll let you think about that for a second. Uh, <laughs> but I really do appreciate uh, my wife, and uh, I hope you continue to pray for her. And uh, her second chemotherapy is this Wednesday, so just remember her in prayer. I want to remind you that uh, the big idea throughout this series, the gift series, talking about the functional gifts is uh, you are made to matter and your spiritual gift is important. And really two things there. You are made to matter. Uh, I think that alone is just a, a great idea, that you were created uh, by God and God thought of you. And so that because of that, you matter. And... Uh, God has created you uh, in a unique way, and he's given you a spiritual gift. And because he's given you a spiritual gift, your spiritual gift is important. And so two things there that you need to, I hope, uh, take to heart. And so as I was uh, gathering the information for today's message, which is on leadership, the gift of leadership, uh, I remember reading a story about a little girl who was home alone and ill, and she called her mother while her mother was at work and said, Mommy, I need you, and I, I, I need you really bad because I don't feel good. And so the mother had asked to get off work, and before she decided to go home, she wanted to run by the, the medicine mart to grab some medicine. And, and she noticed it was starting to rain, and she didn't have an umbrella, so she, she ran from the car into, uh, into the medicine mart, and she got the medicine, and uh, she went back out to the car, and then she realized that she had locked the keys in the car. So she ran back into the medicine mart and she said, hey, I need some help on you know, getting my keys out of the car. And they really didn't know what to do, but they had an old hanger and they gave her a hanger. So she went out to the, the car and she was trying to you know, unlock the car with the hanger. And it seemed like the harder she tried, the harder it rained. And she kept trying and the, the rain just kept pouring down. And, and finally, she was just so frustrated, right? She just said, Lord, I need your help. I need your help right now. And it just seemed like immediately an old pickup truck pulled up right next to her. And she looked up and she saw this man. And, and he got out of the truck and he was dirty, right? And he had this do-rag on top of his head. And he had scars and tattoos all over his body. The, the kind of guy that you wouldn't want to come across at night, especially if you were alone. And without thinking, she just embraced him and said, Sir, could you possibly help me? My daughter is sick at home, and, and I have to get this medicine to her and, and as soon as possible. And I have locked my keys in the car. Within a minute or two, this man successfully unlocked her car. 
And out of joy, she grabbed him again and hugged him. And, and she said, you're such a nice man. And he pushed her away and said, no, ma'am, I am not a nice man. In fact, I had just escaped from jail. And I am a professional car thief. That's what I do for a living. And without hesitation, the woman looked up to heaven and she said, thank you, God, you sent me a professional. Right? <laughs> right? You know, sometimes God calls us, right? He gives us gifts. And he sends the person that we least expect to fill, fulfill his need for his church, right? Even those that we think are unqualified. And I want you to think about that. Um, today we're going to talk about the gift of leadership. And, and I, there's probably many of you that think that, yeah, I am not that person who's qualified uh, to, do, to, do the, the, to, to lead people in, in the ministry of uh, uh, that God is trying to do here on the earth. But I want, to, I want to tell you that with God's help, God can use anyone. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that just like this uh, professional car thief, Lord, that you can use any of us, Lord. All of us are flawed. And, and uh, Lord, I know that you designed each and every one of us, so that means we matter because you are a creator and that each of us have a gift. And some of us here today have the gift of leadership. But, Lord, I, I pray that... Lord, that if we're living in fear of what that might mean, maybe it means it's fear that uh, we have to use up time, or it's fear, Lord, that sometimes we have to make tough decisions. Uh, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I just pray, God, that we'll let that fear just be swallowed up, Lord, into a desire to serve you more. And Father, I just pray, God, that our eyes will be open and in tune to your word, and Lord, that we'll embrace it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're talking about functional gifts out of Romans chapter 12. So I thought, let's just read all these verses again. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, uh, starting with verse 3. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to you, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one in body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And, that, and I love that phrase, let us use them. That, that is a, a command that the, Paul is saying, that we need to be using these gifts. And that's why we're going through this series is to challenge us to be using the gifts that the Lord has given us. Continuing on, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So these are the seven functional gifts, in the la and, and next week we'll have our last message on mercy. And I know our good friend, our good brother Dave is going to be leading that message. And so the Apostle Paul says, the one who leads with zeal, All right? So we know what leadership is. We know what the lead is. And he says, with zeal. So the, the Greek word that Paul uses here for zeal is called spude, right? It sounds like a, a French word, but it's actually a Greek word, spude. And uh, it means with haste and diligence, right? With zeal. When we think of zeal, it's... Right? We, we think of that, you know, like, I'm going to do this with a lot of energy, right? But it, Paul, it actually means, in the Greek, it actually means with haste and diligence. In other words, Paul is saying that if you have the gift of leadership, 
get to it. Right? Get to it right now. The time is now, and it is going to take careful and persistent effort to lead people to do the work of God. That's really what he's saying. We've got to get to it right now, and it's going to take careful and persistent effort to lead people to do the work of God. And so the, the official definition of the gift of leadership that we've uh, decided that we want to use, it comes from Bruce Bugby. We've used a lot of his definitions. And that is the God-given ability to attract, lead, and motivate people to accomplish the work of ministry. Now, the gift of leadership um, is often associated with uh, the gift of administration. It can also be associated with the gift of teaching. But Paul here uh, has distinguished it as separate from those, right? And it's the God-given ability to attract, lead, and motivate people to accomplish the work of the ministry. And I want to remind you, yet you are made to matter, and your spiritual gift is important. Amen? And, and so let's just go back to the beginning. God is the ultimate leader, right? God is our example, and he calls every believer to lead others. I want to go to Genesis 126. God, God says, let us make man in our image. And when he says man, he's talking about man and woman. God may, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so I want you to think about this for a second. God could have, could have arranged his creation a number of ways, right? But he chose to create humans like us, right? In his image. He's chosen to create us human beings in his image. And he's given each of us the ability to relate to him and to follow him, right? Yet we're not forced to do that. We're not forced to follow him. We're not forced to, to have a relationship with him. And yet when we, fall, we fell into sin, right? When Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command and ate of the forbidden fruit, God could have chosen to you know, provide redemption through to uh, other means other than using fallen human beings. And, and what I mean is, God had decided that he was going to provide a way for us to have a relationship with him, right? And he chose to use us, fallen human beings, as a means to provide that relationship with him, right? He chose the nation of Israel, right, to, to, to bring Jesus to the earth, right? And he, he chose to use the 12 disciples to start the church. And he, he chose you and I to, to, to have this church here in Yakima to bring the message, right? We're all fallen human beings who have chosen to follow Christ. God could have chosen many different ways to bring the, the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. But yet he, chose, he chooses to use us who are fallen, who, who are, are not perfect, right? To bring the message of redemption to the world. See, God is clear that he wants us to lead others to follow him. And that's what he means by have dominion in verse 28. See, the call to leadership is consistent throughout the Bible. Right? When God decided to raise up a nation of his own, he called out one leader, Abraham. Right? When God wanted to deliver his people out of Egypt, he didn't call a group. He called one individual, Moses. Right? When God decided that he wanted to to give the people uh, their promised land, and he wanted them to cross into the, you know, to actually possess it, he called one individual, Joshua. You find all these stories uh, throughout the Old Testament, and even the New Testament, where God chose a person to lead. Even the 12 disciples, when you think about it, he chose 12 you know, disciples to follow him, and all of them spread the gospel throughout. If you look at the, the church history, they all went into different parts of the world to spread the gospel, right? 
This is what God does. He calls leaders. And every time God desires to do something great, he's calling a leader to step forward. Today, he still, he still calls leaders to step forward for every work, both large and small. God is still in the business of calling leaders. I want to encourage you to think about that. So the question is, what kind of leader is God looking for? What is it? What kind of leader is God looking for today, here and now, in Yakima? I think we can all agree that the world today is in a crisis mode when it comes to leaders. Would you agree? Right? <laughs> um, I believe that, I, and I really believe this in all of my heart, that those of us who are truly living the Christ-like life have a lot to offer the world in this vacuum of, of corrupt leadership. And I believe that's why we need to take this serious. See, as I explained earlier, God has created this concept of leadership, and he defines it by himself. And he even defines it even more clearly in the person of Jesus Christ, right? When Jesus Christ came down to the earth and he lived out this life, Jesus is actually the perfect example of what a leader should be here on the earth. And all of us should strive to, to be like Christ. And Jesus' example in Scripture is actually the ideal for all of us to strive to. Yet we all know that not all of us are called. And not all of us are given this gift of leadership. In fact, I was reading a story uh, about a young woman who wanted to go to college, but her heart sank when she read the question on the application. And here's what it said. Are you a leader? See, she was really honest and conscientious, and she wrote no. <laughs> And she returned the application expecting the worst. But to her surprise, she received this letter from the college. Dear applicant, a study of the application forms revealed that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it is imperative that they have at least one follower. <laughs> right? You see, it's true, though, that uh, not everybody's going to have the gift of leadership, right? And they accepted her because she was being honest, right? There, there has to be uh, some followers, right? God hasn't, desiring to be a leader is a noble thing, but not all of us are called to do it. So how do we know, how do you know if you're called or gifted? Well, I want to just point out a couple of things that maybe, uh, you, that will talk, speak to your heart and, and maybe reveal to you that God has called you to leadership, maybe that you haven't thought about before. So when you think of great leaders, often we go to the most obvious traits, right? And I know Pastor Ryan is probably thinking, you think of me, think of me, right? He's probably sitting there standing over thinking that, right? I don't know. He's not thinking that. Uh, probably the first thing you think of is charisma, right? When you think of great leaders, you think of charisma, right? When a leader walks into a room, they have a larger-than-life personality. Or perhaps maybe you think of confidence, right? You think a leader has confidence. You see a person who always takes charge no matter what situation they're in, they're in right? They're always able to lead. Or maybe you, you see a, lead, a leader as being somebody who's a, a great visionary, right? They can, see the, they can see the big picture. They're always able to see far ahead. And uh, they're able to inspire us. Right to to not just look at the here and now, but they're able to uh, to see the bigger picture, even though the here and now is a little clouded for us. And these are all great traits. All of these can be true, 
But for God's perspective, the traits of a great leader will all point to his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to be a leader in God's kingdom, the traits of a great leader are all going to point to his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, I want to encourage you to think about that. And I, I want to use Peter, the Apostle Peter, as our example. We all know who the Apostle Peter is, I hope. If you don't, he was one of the, the 12 apostles uh, that was called. And, and he served Christ faithfully. And church tradition says that he was uh, martyred for Christ and he was crucified for Christ. And, and uh, he was one of the, the most vocal disciples. And he was also one of the disciples that fumbled a lot, right? He was one of the disciples that stuck his foot in. In fact, you can go read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can read about a lot of his mistakes. I'll bring up, I'll bring up flaws, right? Peter walked on water. We'd all say that's a great, great act of faith. That he also took his eyes off of Jesus and started fumbling, right? And he started to sink, and and then he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus rescued him. And then Jesus asked him, Peter, why did you doubt? Right. So in this act of great faith, and then also this act of great of this moment of great fear and doubt, right? And then. And then Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus starts to tell his disciples about that, hey, I came down to earth, and I'm, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die, but in three days I'm going to rise again. Why? Because I came here to be a ransom for many, right? I came here to be the, the salvation of the world. And then, Jesus, and then Peter takes Jesus off to the side and, and rebukes him and says, no, Lord, you're not going to die. There's no way you're going to do this because you're here to to be the savior for the nation of Israel. I'm pretty sure that's what he was thinking. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. See, Jesus has to rebuke Peter because he, Peter is becoming a hindrance to Jesus' ultimate mission. Probably the most famous thing, though, that Peter does is that Peter, in the moment of his, the most crucial moment of his life, when Jesus is arrested and is about to go to the cross. Peter is confronted by Jesus. Three times he is asked. And Peter is, rec- Peter is with this thing in his mind, if I say yes, my life may be taken. And he's thought to himself, I'm ready to die for Jesus. But he can't bring himself to say yes, and he denies he knows Jesus. And at that moment, he realizes, I'm not ready to die for this man. And he weeps bitterly. But the good news is that God uses people who fail, just like that story of the car thief. God uses people like that. Why? Because there aren't any other kinds around. But there's a beautiful thing about Peter is that Jesus forgives and restores. In fact, if you go to John chapter 21, this is one of my favorite passages where Jesus restores Peter to the ministry. See, Peter doesn't run and do it, you know, and says, I can never serve Christ again. He actually gets restored. And you can read about that in John chapter 21. But but I want to read some verses here. Even though Peter had all these moments of stumbling, 
he became a great man of God, a great leader in the church. I'm going to read to you Matthew 16, verses 13 or 17. This is during Jesus' ministry. Even though Peter was struggling with all these flaws, deep down inside, he truly knew who Jesus was. It says in verse 13 of Matthew 16, now, When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do some people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjola, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And because of that conviction and that belief that Peter had deep in his heart that he truly knew who Jesus was, he was able to come overcome all those personal flaws. He was able to come, overcome the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He was and, and and to wait for Christ to be rose again to be restored. Because of that, he was. On that day of Pentecost, he preached the first great salvation message, and many came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. We can read about that in Acts chapter 3, verse 12. It said, when Peter saw all the people, uh, it talks about all those people that were observing them in the day of Pentecost, and he preached the gospel message, that many were saved. And then you read in verse chapter, uh, verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 4, it says that many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men who came to, to, to serve the Lord were about 5,000. So just, in, just in, from after Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter uh, 4, there were 3,000 and 5,000. There was about 8,000 people saved. Just a matter of days through the message, the preaching of the gospel through Peter. I just think that's awesome. And so that's the power of, of a leader being called by Jesus Christ, a man who, who is flawed, but uh, uh, who, who has been empowered, uh, who is modeled after Jesus Christ. And so I talked about to lead in the church, how God is calling leaders, uh, how, uh, two ways to, to lead in the church, or how God is calling leaders uh, to lead. And the first one is leading with conviction. And I'm using Peter as my example. Actually, I want to use the way that Stacy wrote the notes. God is calling leaders who will lead with conviction. See, Peter had conviction. You see, I talked to you about it earlier. When a leader walks in the room, we have to look at, hey, he's got charisma. But when a Christ-like leader walks into the room, they have a passion for truth. Right? When a Christ-like leader walks through them, they're going to have a passion for the truth. They're going to stand up for the truth of God, right? They're going to have a conviction um, that God's truth is greater than any other truth, right? They're going to have a truth that God's truth is greater than man's truth. See, a conviction is a belief of which we are thoroughly convinced, right? It's not something that we, we convince is simply true, but it's, it's a truth that is essential and is life-changing. You see, when Jesus, and Jesus during Jesus' ministry, Jesus had large crowds following him, right? And they were following him around because they loved the fact that he would feed them and he would perform great miracles. So one day Jesus decided 
to make this statement that if any of you would follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he was talking symbolically about his death and resurrection. That you're going to have to accept the fact that I'm going to die on the cross. Right? And many of the crowds could not accept what Jesus said, and they, they left him. And Jesus said to his disciples in, in John chapter 6, he said to the 12 disciples, do you want to go away as well? And guess what Peter said to them, to Jesus? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Peter had this deep conviction in his life that, that even though I don't understand everything that Jesus is saying to me, I know that he speaks truth that is life-changing. And so he, so the, with conviction, Peter knew that I, this is a person that I have to follow. You see, Peter uh, had conviction. And if you're going to be a leader, right, then you know that you've got to, when you're leading people, you've got to have uh, conviction that, that the truth of God's word is going to change people's lives, right? See, leaders with conviction make the greatest impact, not just because they are gifted, because you're, but you're, because you're deeply convinced that God is 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 real. You're deeply convinced that God's truth is the only truth, right? Because you're deeply convinced that Jesus Christ, His Son, is the only way uh, to, to to heaven, right? If God has called you to be a leader, then you must have the conviction, right, that, that God has called each and every one of us, that God has given each and every one of us a gift, right? If you are called to be a leader, then you've got to understand that God desires holiness more than happiness. See, leaders know that death is not the end. And so the time that we have here on earth needs to be used wisely. And so we lead with zeal. That means that we get to it now because the time is short. So the kind of leader that God is calling is with conviction. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you're going to be a leader for Christ, you've got to be convinced. You've got to be convinced about the truth of God's love. You've got to be convinced about the truth of God's word. And that's going to be what motivates you to lead. The second thing is, if you're gonna, if you, uh, if if God, if you feel like God, then you're gonna lead sacrificially. John chapter thirteen. I'm gonna talk about Jesus. Jesus, right before his crucifixion, it said that Jesus, knowing that his Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from his supper, and he laid aside his outer garments and he take, took a towel. And he tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So I want you to think about this. Jesus. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. God, the, the Son. Forsaken heaven. Became a man and came down to earth so he could be 
the salvation for us. And while on earth, he took on human flesh. And here he chose to lead these 12 disciples who were going to change the world. They were going to turn the world upside down. And he was about ready to go to the cross. And he, while on that cross, he was going to be separated from the Father and from the Spirit. For three hours, there was going to be a moment of darkness. Because in that three hours, he was going to be suffering the wrath of God. And, and the weight of all the sin, the past, the present, and the future was going to be laid upon him. He's going to become sin. And he was going to, and, the, and it said the earth became, the day became dark. And it's during that moment of darkness, he was, he was feeling all the punishment, all the wrath of God. But just a few hours before, he had the disciples and he was washing their feet. Some lowly act, something only a slave or do. Why? Why would Jesus do this? He was being an example of what it means to be a leader, what it means to lead by example. I know these verses aren't up here, but I encourage you to go to John chapter 13. If I go to the next verse, he said he came to Simon Peter, and he was about ready to wash his feet. And here's what Peter said to him. He said, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if you... If I do not wash you, you shall have no share with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Now, Peter actually was speaking from pride here. Peter was actually saying, I don't want you to wash my feet because this is something I would never do for anybody else. But when Jesus said that, if I don't do this for you, you shall not have to, uh, if I do not wash you, you shall have no share with me. Then Peter finally gave in because Peter recognized that I, I want, I want to, to share with what Christ is doing in my life. And Jesus said later on that right now you don't really understand what's going on, but you will later. Continuing on in verse 12 of chapter 30, here's what Jesus said. When he had washed their feet and put on the outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you're doing that. In other words, God is calling leaders who will lead sacrificially. See, those disciples didn't understand it, what was going on right at that moment. Even Peter did. But he knew that later on they were going to have to sacrifice their lives. They were going to have to sacrifice their time, their families, in order to spread the gospel of what Jesus Christ had done for them at that Right, what Jesus Christ was going to do in a few hours. He was going to die on the cross, and in a few days he was going to rise again. And they were going to spread the gospel to the world. The world was literally going to be turned upside down because these men were willing to sacrifice. 
So I want you to think about when you think of servanthood, what do you think? What's the image that comes to your mind? You might think of a, a maid. You might think of a slave. Servanthood is not a position of skill. It's all about attitude. We, know, we all know people in leadership with poor attitudes. <laughs> we know people in leadership who don't want to help people. The truth is that the best leaders desire to serve others, not themselves. And so I just want to give you some quick points here and then, and then we'll close this up. So if we're going to use Jesus' example, leaders and be a leader, leaders are called to put others ahead of their own agenda. See, when Jesus came down to this earth, he could have just said, let me just go to the cross. Right? Just get, get it over with. Right? But he chose to come as a, a baby and live on the earth for 30-some years and Right and train people and but right because he because when he left the earth he he wanted to leave an imprint he wanted to leave, he wanted to train some individuals so they could carry on, uh, um, uh, you know his purpose, and, and it's something that you and I don't necessarily understand completely. Second thing is, um, leaders will possess the confidence to serve. You see, one thing that Jesus never lacked was confidence. And one thing the disciples totally lacked was confidence. Right? But after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on them, that's one thing they did not lack was confidence. Right? They, man, they were willing to, to be beaten for Christ, and they, were, they did it with joy. Number three, leaders are called to initiate service to others. And this is the hardest. Right? It's easy to stand up here and, and ask you to do things, but leaders, good leaders actually will serve with you, serve along with you. Right? Leaders will never ask you to do anything they're not willing to do themselves. Number four, leaders are not position con- conscious. And that's what Jesus was doing right there. Jesus was showing his disciples, listen, I'm willing to get down on my hands and knees and wash your feet because this isn't about being number one honcho CEO of, of the church. This is about being a servant leader. This is about doing whatever it takes. Right? And the last, last one is leaders are called to serve out of love. To serve out of love. If, if you can't love people, then you can't be a Christ-like leader. I love Pastor Randy, man. Pastor Randy's always trying to encourage me, cheer me up, and he, you know he understands what I'm going through. And you know he'll. I remember him saying to me the other day, "Hey, cheer up, man. You could be in the mil- You could be in an underground hole full of water." I know he meant well, but uh, no, I love Pastor Randy, right? <laughs> Yeah, Pastor Randy definitely serves well, or serves out of love. And uh, I want to call the worship team up. I'm going to tell you, leadership, Christ-like leadership is never motivated by manipulation or, or self-motivation or self-promotion. And in the end, you know, our, our, the extent of our influence of a leader, it depends on the depth of your concern for other people. 
That's the truth of it. And, and that's why it's important for leaders to be willing to serve. But I also want to point you back to the, you got to serve with conviction. The conviction that, you know, that if I'm serving Christ's kingdom, that I, that I am serving the greatest cause ever. Right? And that is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. And there is no other way. Yeah, this life sometimes really stinks. And, but with Christ, <laughs> it could be so much... Uh, there, there could be so much peace. Sometimes there, there could be so much more joy. There could be so much more hope. God doesn't always answer prayers the way that we would like. But I have this confidence to know that God is always in control. God is always guiding the ship. You know what? And if God is guiding the ship, that I know that we're going to get to where we're going. Because when I'm driving or guiding the boat, we're going to crash into some rocks and we're going to sink. I guarantee it. So I want to put my trust into Christ. And I'm going to follow Him because if you're following me, you better make sure I'm following Christ. But before we go to the reflection question, I think we should be praying. Let's, I think we should take a moment to pray for our leaders, specifically for our pastor and his family, and, and then maybe for the leaders of our country who we would, you know, we know many of them are not followers of, of, of Christ. But that doesn't mean that we can't pray for their salvation. We can't pray for them to, to yield to God's will. So let's just bow our heads. I'm going to ask that you agree with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't know if the message today was as clear as it should have been, but Lord, I just know that the gift of leadership, Lord, there, it's a... A gift, Lord, that maybe few are called, and probably many are that are called, Lord, are, are avoided because of the maybe fear. Because, Lord, it's not always a popular thing. But, Lord, I know that if people will acknowledge, Lord God, that you have given them the gift of leadership, and Lord, that if they just serve with conviction, Lord, conviction that your true, your word is true, and Lord, that if they just rely on the example that Christ has given, Lord, that they, they, they let Jesus Christ be their example, Lord, that they'll 
they'll always lead, Lord, in a way that is uh, uh, is true. And Lord, that if they if they follow Christ's example of, of of being a servant leader, God, that people will follow. Lord, I just pray for our pastor and his family, Lord, as they lead our church, Lord God, that you just be with them, Lord, that you you bless them, you protect them. We thank you for them, Lord. God, that you provide every need that they have. Lord, let us be, Lord, uh, Lord, let us, let us uh, follow, Lord, their lead as you lead them, Lord. Lord, let us not be complainers. Lord, let us not be backbiters. But Lord, let us be faithful uh, to the call that you put on their life, Lord, and by fulfilling the call that you put on our lives. Lord, let each of us, Lord, use the gift that you call us to be, Lord. Lord, you've uh, asked our pastor, Lord, to, to have this teaching series go forth. So each and every one of us would acknowledge the gift that you've given us, Lord, so we can serve this church, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, if any of us, Lord, are are putting our gifts on the back burner, Lord, that first of all, Lord, you'll you'll convict us of that, Lord, right now, and that, Lord, that we will surrender to the call that you've given us on our lives, Lord, that we'll step out and we'll serve. Lord, you, you have not asked us to, to hide our gifts. You have not asked us to, to sit on the bench. But, Lord, you've asked us to get out and to serve your kingdom here at Crosspoint, Lord. And the best way to do that, Lord, is to follow the leadership that you've given us. So, Lord, I just pray, God, that you give us all the heart to do that. Lord, I pray for the leadership of our country, of our state. God, I pray for, Lord, the leaders in our country, Lord, that are not followers of you, Lord. I pray for their salvation right now, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that that you'll bring individuals in their lives, Lord, that that can share the good news of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, that they will come to know you first. But, Lord, I also just pray for the decisions that they make, Lord, that, God, that ultimately, Lord, it will be in line with your will. Lord, we know this nation needs to turn to you. And, Lord, I just ask... God, that you start with the leaders, Lord, that their hearts will turn towards you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I just have two reflection questions for you as we go into prayer, and then the worship team is going to lead us in a song here. Is that, has God called you to lead? If he has, I'm going to ask that you you surrender that today. You step out. And then, uh, so what are your next steps? What are your next steps? Uh, I certainly want to encourage you to seek out Pastor Randy or you can come talk to myself. Uh, I I will certainly guide you. More likely, I'll guide you to Pastor Randy. But uh, uh, let's just go ahead and bow our heads and pray as our worship leader leads us here.